Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Strong Christian life. And if it's your first time or you have missed bits and pieces of it, um, it's not a big deal because you really haven't missed anything. Now, that's not true. You've missed actually seven weeks of content. But I say that because what we're doing in the series is every single week we're looking at a different uh, principle or practice that the Bible gives us that equates to a strong Christian life. And so I would encourage you if it's your first time or you just missed a bunch of church because you're like my wife and I and you got kids and you got, you know, sickness and just stuff that happens. Um, I would encourage you, you go back either to um, our website, you jump on YouTube, uh, Facebook, or grab the podcast, and you would grab, there's actually sermon discussion guides. I forgot for the second service in a row to, 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 to grab one to reference, but we have sermon discussion guides. Uh, they are really in-depth studies to help you go deeper into everything we're talking about. Because th- this series, it should be noted that it is an overview, some will say overview, it's an overview type series, meaning every subject we talk about all by itself could be a two, three, four, seventy-five week extensive sermon series, but we're just doing an overview over ten fundamental uh, Christian practices that the Bible tells us equate to a strong Christian life. Now, you may be here, maybe it's your first time, may, maybe not, and you're in the same boat as a gentleman last week or last time I preached after service. He said, uh, "Great sermon, but question for you: Why does this matter?" Has anybody ever asked you a question and you couldn't tell if they were being serious or not? And I'm like, what a question to ask. Like, hey, great sermon, but who cares? And, um, and he said, like why, 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 like, why does it matter? Why is building a strong Christian life actually something I should be incl- inclined to do? And I'll tell you what I told him. Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear. And Jesus said, here's the reality. Storms will come. Come on, anyone else in the house, you can attest to the reality that life has its ups and downs to say the least. All of us, just because we put our faith in Jesus and we came to church, doesn't mean we're somehow immune to the world that we live in. It is true, God works all things together for our good, and God does not inflict or put anything as God doesn't put us through tests and trials and bring tribulation. However, we live in a broken, fallen world that has been infected and affected by sin. And therefore, until Jesus comes back and brings all things back to how they should be, we're affected by the world we live in. Trial, tragedy, tri- tribulation, like it's, it will affect us all. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, okay, the storms of life will come. But, but I'll tell you what, anyone who comes to me, hears my sayings and puts them into practice, I'll tell you who he's like. He's like a wise master builder built his house on a solid foundation, and the storms may come, but he will not fall. His house, his life, it will not be destroyed because he decided to build his life, a strong Christian life, if you will, on the right foundation. And so we're looking at these 10 different things that Jesus gives us. And uh, this morning as we continue in our series, we're going to talk about a passion for humility. And the crowd goes wild. Like in 2022, 
ain't no one trying to be humble right now. It's like, I, I don't actually, that affects my social media presence if I actually learn about this. Um, we're talking about a passion for humility, which honestly, it, it applies to all of us, does it not? Like, I was thinking about this this morning. I don't remember the comedian, but there's a comedian that his stick, his punchline used to be, and there's your sign. And, and I thought, you know, for anyone who's here that's like, oh, yeah, this doesn't, that, this doesn't really apply to me. There's your sign. I'm actually the most humble person I know. And there's your, be, because really you can't talk about humility without talking about pride. And how many of you know that it doesn't matter if you've been serving Jesus for three million years or three seconds. Pride is something we have to continually make a decision to not submit to. Rather, to humble ourselves and walk in God's ways. You, it, it doesn't matter how spiritually mature you are. We all get the opportunity to, on a maybe daily basis, make the decision to say, I will not walk in pride, but I will walk in humility. James chapter 4, verse 6, um, it's where I asked you to turn. I think I asked you to turn there. I don't remember, to be honest. But James chapter 4, verse 6, it's the scripture we're going to use to kind of uh, 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 frame in what we're talking about. But it says this. But he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'll read it one more time. It's a short verse. Let's get it in our thinking this morning. But he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, the title of the sermon this morning that I want to preach, just so you can have a title to put in your pocket, and maybe it'll jog your memory about what we're talking to if you think about it later. But the title of the sermon that I, I want to preach this morning is just simply titled this, The Key That Unlocks the Door. And I'm going to give you the end of, end of the sermon before we even get there. But what we're talking about today, the reality that humility is the key that unlocks the door to all that God has for us. The key that unlocks the door to everything we need, everything we're looking for, everything our life is desperate for, it is humility. So the title of the sermon, the key that unlocks the door. I looked over and saw one of my favorite people in the world, Isaiah DeBanka. And on Wednesday night, he said, Brandon, you should title your sermon, Sit Down, Be Humble. And um, I thought, that's a great title for a sermon, but uh, we're, we're going to go with this one instead. Um, James chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. In other words, God, God kind of does say, sit down, be, be humble. God gives grace to the humble, but the Bible says he resists the proud. Well, let, let's stop for a second. What is pride? Pride by definition, not by our definition, but by definition of the original tra translation is this. Pride is... It describes a person who's been infected with something. Describes a person who's been infected with something like a virus or a disease. Someone who's been infected with pride and now sees themselves above the rest. They see themselves of more importance and more value than anyone and everyone else. I, I wrote this for myself. They are the biggest deal to themselves. Do, do, do you know anyone like this? They're the biggest deal to, to themselves. You know, the thing about pride is pride is not just this high and lofty opinion of oneself, but pride also is this, this taking on of pressure that really isn't ours. 
was talking to someone after first service, and they said, you know, where I really struggle with pride is this mentality that, that goes, if I don't, it won't. If I don't do this, then, it's, then it won't happen. If I don't say this, then it really won't, you know, be, be made right. And, and, and pride is not just this overestimation of, like, your self-worth and importance, but pride is this taking on our shoulders to go, listen, man, it's on me. If I don't make it happen for myself, if I don't figure it out, if I don't f- fill in the blank, then life is not going to work out the way I need it to work. It's all not only about me, but it's all on me. And here, here's the thing about pride that I, I think we should just, just at least make mention of is that pride is sneaky, is it not? Pride's not something that only exalts itself in like one form. The super arrogant person that's like, I am the greatest. Like, I, I, when I think about pride, if, if you watch football or you have watched football, um, I always think about Terrell Owens. Now, I don't know T.O. personally. Um, I think T.O. is awesome. I love watching him play football. But I think about, like, the Terrell Owens of the world. Get your popcorn ready. You need me on this team because I am the greatest. I remember, I said this in first verse, I remember having a conversation uh, with my mom, Pastor Debbie. Uh, I, I grew up a Lakers fan. I love the Los Angeles Lakers. We originally are from the Los Angeles area. And um, I love Kobe Bryant. He's my all-time favorite basketball player. And I remember watching a Lakers game before I graduated high school, and he, he did something amazing, obviously, because he's Kobe Bryant. And, and he was letting the world know, like, I know what I just did is pretty incredible. I remember, remember my mom goes, he is so prideful. He is so, she's shaking her head right now, like, yes, he is. Get the poster off your wall, son. He's so arrogant. He, he, he is so, so prideful. And I was offended by that because Kobe was my hero. But, but that, like, that's who I think about. I think about that person, but, but pride is sneaky because pride doesn't always manifest itself that way in all of our lives. There's actually two extremes, and, and a lot of us, we, we live somewhere in the middle, but there's these two extremes. W- one extreme is, is insecurity. It's, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read you this definition. Insecurity is, I don't want anyone to think that I'm dumb. I don't want anyone to think that I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't want to be embarrassed or put in any kind of an awkward place or position, and so I'm just going to make sure that I kind of, you know, lean back, I'm not going to say too much. I'm not going to do too much because, well, I am the most valuable person in this room. And so I will, by way of defense, just make sure I don't get put in any kind of a position that could compromise me. I, I, I remember uh, a, a good friend of mine now, um, he actually, I think he wants his name to, 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 to be known, which maybe is an evidence of pride. And we'll pray for this man. Um, but my, 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 my really good friend, Joe Helm, um, he... Uh, and I can't believe you're like, use my name. Please tell, please tell people it was me. Um, but but, but it, it was a number of years ago, and he goes, man, can I tell you something? Have you ever had a piece of information given to you that you're like, I don't know why you're giving me this information. He said, can I tell you something? When I first met you, I hated you. Like, wow. This is a great conversation right now. And, and he said, man, I, I just, I, I thought you were such a jerk. But what's funny is I knew exactly what he meant. Because we met when I was probably 18, 19, 20 years old, somewhere in there. And, and I used to struggle so bad with insecurity. I was so insecure. I, I had such this, this hold of insecurity that I was so petrified that I would say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And somehow I would be made to look like 
like I didn't know what I was talking about or like I'm somehow missing it somewhere. And so by way of defense, I, I, I had this personification. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't my heart, but where I kind of gave off the impression, his words, not mine, that I was kind of a jerk. And, and I, I knew exactly what he meant because I remember struggling with that. I, I remember struggling with, like, I am so insecure. God, you can't possibly call me to be a pastor. They got to, like, talk to people and, like, stand up in front of people and preach. Pre- like I, I, in, in fact, the first time I got asked to preach, um, I literally pretended to be sick at the last minute because I got so afraid I was going to do it wrong. And... And what's interesting is that as God helped me and, and I started growing out of some of that insecurity, what, what I then began to be confronted by with, with loving people who were trying to help me with, was, was, Brandon, you kind of become arrogant. See, because there's the other extreme, is it not? It's, it's this, this arrogance, the definition of arrogance is someone who is snooty or they act and talk high and mighty. They see themselves as superior. They always have an opinion and an answer for everything. You know anyone like this through so- social media? They, all, they always have an opinion and an answer for everything. And in their own eyes and heart, they always know best. Th- there's these two extremes of pride. And, and I, I remember the Lord had to help me because what I realized is, God, thank you that you helped me grow out of some insecurity. But, but now I'm over here, and it's because there's a root somewhere in there of pride. I, I have pride in my heart, and I have to deal with the actual root issue, not just the signs and symptoms of it. And here's what you need to know about pride. God hates pride. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Just my first thoughts today, it simply is that, that God, he hates pride. Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. And I'm, I'm going to read a couple scriptures just, just in a row for you. But Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. The six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. The very first one on the list, we won't read the whole list, but it's a proud look. God hates pride. Psalm chapter 101, verse 5. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor... Him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. You ever been in a conversation, in a setting, in an environment, and, and it just, it, it's so, for lack of better words, disgust you. I, I just got to get out of here. I just, like, I can't sit in this environment anymore. I can't, I can't keep watching this. I can't keep listening. The Bible says that him who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him, God goes, I, I, I cannot endure this. I, I, I just, I, I can't. The Bible says this, Proverbs 21, verse 4, a haughty look and a proud heart and, and the plowing of the wicked, they are sin before God. It's actually sin. It's actually unrighteousness, unholiness, sin before God to have pride in our heart. God hates pride. But, but he, hear me this morning. God doesn't hate pride for people. No, no, no. We'll see later on. God, the reason he hates pride, and we'll see in a moment, resists pride, is because God actually loves people. No, God does not hate people. God loves people. But he hates pride because of what pride does 
in our heart. See, here's the thing about pride. When you have pride in your heart, it is literally impossible for you to fully submit to, surrender to, and walk in the ways of Jesus. You can't do it. When, when, when you have pride in your heart, it is impossible for you to fully follow Jesus in faith and obedience, which, by the way, like back to the beginning of the sermon, we're not following Jesus because it's a legalistic thing. This is a relationship. We've been invited into a life where God goes, I want to give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. John 10.10 10 goes, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. So I'm not trying to walk in his ways because legalistic. No, it's a relationship. I've been redeemed and rescued, and now I want the life that only Jesus can give me. And you just got to know, it's impossible. Like, you'll never, ever do it with pride in your heart. Why? Well, let's think about the two extremes for a second. Let's go to the extreme over here of insecurity. <clears throat> this extreme sign or, or, or symptom. You, you know what insecurity does? Insecurity puts you in a place where you start wrestling with the fear of man. I'm, just, I'm overly concerned. Like, it's all I can think about. What do people think about me? I'm overly concerned about the opinions and perspectives of men. And Paul says this in Galatians 1 verse 10. He says, listen, for I do now, or for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men, for if I still pleased men, I wouldn't be able to be a bondservant of Christ. Like this is the easiest example that I can think of, but I promise you there are so many examples. But, but let's just take the very clear instruction of Jesus. Hey, I want you to be a light to your world. The moment you said yes to Jesus, he, he did not invite us into the great suggestion. He invited us into the great commission. It's not a suggestion. Our new identity, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 20-something, is that we're now ambassadors for Christ. But do you know how many people that go, no, I'm, I, I can't. I, I won't. I just, I just, I mean, like there's no way that I could actually share, share, share the Bible with someone and really st stand up for truth. And really, I, I couldn't do it. Why? I, like, what, what will people think? I just, like, what, what about... And there's so many instances where here's what God says. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God's asking me to do. But when I wrestle with or am bound by the fear of man, pride being the root issue, can't do it. No, I just, I, that, there's, there's no way. I would never want people to fill in the blank. And then you go to the other extreme, what pride does in our heart. When you let that thing just start growing, when, when, when you allow that seed of pride to get in your heart, but you don't deal with it, it's not a big deal. It's, I mean, it, 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 it's fine. And you don't deal with it, what starts to grow, and you would never say it because I know you, and you're a good person, and you love God. But what starts to happen is you develop this mentality that goes, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of know better than God in a lot of instances. I mean, like, I know he's God, but, I mean, I have some perspectives and some opinions and ideas of my own. And, um, and we, we start saying things like this. And I, I've said it. I know I have. May, maybe you have as well. But we start think, saying things like, well, I know the Bible says, but. Well, yeah, like, I, I, I know what God's word says. However, yeah, but I mean, is that the actual right interpretation in 2022? And I think by now we should have. And you, you, you know who we start sounding like? If you're wearing sandals, 
slide your toes under the pew in case I step on them for a minute. You know who we start sounding like? Lucifer. In case you, you don't know another name that you may be more familiar with would be the devil. Satan. If you grew up in church, especially in a Pentecostal church, the adversary, the enemy. But we, we, we start sounding like him. You do, you do know, right, that Lucifer, however you want to call him, um, that he started as an angel. Like we, we could call him like the lead, the head worship leader in heaven. But pride in his heart brought him very low. And, and you know what he sounds like? You can go and read the first couple of chapters of Genesis and you can recall how sin got into the world. Remember what he said? Hey, Eve, did God really say? I mean, the fruit looks amazing. I've never even tried that kind of fruit before. Have you ever wondered what fruit it is, by the way? I always read it and I'm like, but what fruit was it? Like, is it still in existence? Is it organic? He, 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 he goes, it, it, it looks amazing. Well, no, God said we're not to eat that. Well, did God really say? No, like God actually did say. And so he, he, he changes. Well, okay. So God said. But is that really what God meant? Don't you think that God knows? And, and again, we don't intend to, but let's just be honest this morning. We have a lot of conversations like this, do we not? Yeah, I mean, does, does it really say that? Okay, like so it does. But, I mean, is that really what God intended? And, and if we're not careful, this seed of pride in our heart, it starts elevating us in our own thinking and our own opinion in a place that we never say it, but, well, like God is God, but, I mean, I'm right there too. And, and we'd never say it, but let's just be real. There's a lot of us that we, we live like this. We are the Lord of our own life. We, we are the center of our own worship, me, myself, and I. The Bible says God hates pride. Not, he doesn't hate people, but God hates pride because of what pride does in our heart. And therefore, here's what the Bible says, thought number two this morning. It's this, that God, he actually resists the proud. I want to read you the word just so you know I'm not making this up. The, the word resist in the original translation in the Greek, um, I can't pronounce the word. Pray for me. I will ascend to that level one day. Um, but it's a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to rage in battle against someone, to, to oppose someone or something. It means to, to have active resistance. Now, that kind of messes with our theology a little bit be, because we don't like that. No, 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 Brandon, that's not the God that I worship. No, 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 that's not the Jesus that I serve. The God that I worship, the Jesus that I serve, he would never, ever resist me, never. I pray every night before we eat dinner, and we pray on, on the way to school, and I've already said, God, will you bless all my great grand plans and ideas, and I just know he's going to do it. But, but if the Bible is truth, we have to take it as truth, and the Bible says God actually resists the proud. You know why he does it? Be, because he loves you and I so much. I, I don't know if you have kids or not, but, but for those of you who, who do, um, we, we know that a good parent does not reward 
and praise and keep blessing, therefore enabling our children in bad decisions and patterns that will lead to their ultimate destruction. No, a good parent doesn't do that. That's not what a good parent does. Just this past weekend, we're, 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 we're cleaning out our garage, and so we're in the front yard, and my son Graham, who's three, he kicked a soccer ball, and he ran in the middle of the street. And my voice got very loud and very stern, and I, I looked him in his eyes to, to, to remind him, hey, we don't just run in the middle of the road. Why? Be, be, because that's what we do as parents. Hey, if you somehow get it into your thinking, you can just run in the middle of the road without looking or thinking, you're going to get hit by a car, bro. We but this, this is the God. God loves you so much. God is so concerned, not just about your present, but about the great future and purpose and plan that he has for you, that the Bible literally says he will resist the proud. No, 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 son, I cannot reward, and, and, and I cannot put my hand to favor. I cannot bless. I cannot enable you in this mentality and this part and this. Sometimes when, when, when we don't feel the grace of God, I know that that's kind of ambiguous. Like, how do you feel the grace of God? But, but I, I think you just, like, you, you know it when you feel it. When you're in a situation, whether it's relationally, you're trying to work something out with a friend or a spouse, maybe it's something happening in your personal life, and you just feel like there's just resistance here. Like, we just keep on hitting our head against the same wall. I, I cannot make, there's a good chance that it'd be wisdom to stop and say, Lord, is there pride in my heart anywhere? Are there any areas right now of pride that the reason I'm not, I've been to the altar every week, like we do, we need prayer, pray for us, put the oil on, whatever you got to do, but, but I, 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 just, I don't feel the, the grace of God. Could it be possible, Lord, there's an area somewhere in my heart of pride? And because you love me so much, you will not allow me to pass go until this issue of pride is, is resolved. Point number three, and we'll, we'll close with this, but it's God, God resists the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Here's what the Bible says, James 4, 6, we read it. And he gives more grace, grace being the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love, blessing, favor, benefit of God that is freely poured upon us. Hear me this morning, grace will open doors you cannot open on your own. Grace will afford you opportunities you cannot conjure up on your own. Grace will lead you in, in a pathway of life, both internally and externally, that you cannot do for yourself. It, it is a real thing to have God's hand on your life, to have favor on your life. It is the grace of God. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. What, what, what does it mean to, to be humble? Humility is this. Humility is one who has reduced his own self-importance, authentically and accurately calibrating it to an appropriate level, even to the point of stooping to the lowest measure. Here's what humility is not. I want you, I want you to hear this this morning. Humility is not self-deprecating, but rather it is an accurate self-assessment in light of who God is and who God says that I am. You know what humility is not? Humility is not that I'm just so humble. I'm just waiting for God's grace. No, humility is not your head down 
your shoulders slumped, that, oh, no, not me. No, it, 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 it could never be me. Oh, no, 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 please. No, humility is not self-deprecating. Humility is an accurate assessment, rightly assessing oneself in light of who God is and who God says that I am. I want to read this to you. Humility thinks like this. I am not God. God is God. I am not the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I do not know it all, see it all, or have it all together. So I'm in need of his Holy Spirit to correct me, teach me, and lead and guide my life. Oh, no, I'm not perfect, nor have I arrived, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done, and I'm growing in his grace. Jesus sacrificially gave everything and served. Therefore, I sacrificially give my life to serve him and other people. I have been given grace, so I will extend grace. I have been forgiven much, so I will forgive much. You know what humility is? Humility is rightly and accurately assessing yourself. I'm not God. Oh, no, 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 I, I am not God. God is God. So the center of my worship belongs to him. Master, ruler, oh, no, 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 I am, I am not the, the, the Lord of my life. That's Jesus. And so I don't, I don't, I don't call the shots here. He calls the shots. And so I'm, 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 I'm following him. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I, you, you have mistaken um, what is the help of the Holy Spirit for just a great work ethic and discipline. Oh, no, 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 I cannot do this on my own. I don't have it all together. I don't see it all. I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit every day to empower me, to help me. Oh, yeah, no, I need, God. like this, it's not a religious thing. I need God's word because it's, it's him literally coaching me and mentoring me and teaching me how to walk in his ways. See, a prideful person goes, I, I, I don't need God. I mean, like, I'm cool with God. I mean, th this is so our culture, isn't it? And whether we say it or not, this is so our culture. No, no, I'm cool with God. Like, yeah, bro, like give, like, give me the card. I'll definitely be there for Easter, Christmas for sure, as long as there's not, like, another party going on. But, like, I don't, like, need God, though. It's pride. Pride, pride calls things legalism that really are just obedience to his ways. I don't, I don't need the Bible. It's so legalistic, man. I don't need to be, like, in church in his presence. I don't need the, pre the presence of God. Pride goes, I don't need all that. Humility recognizes in light of who you are and who you say that I am. I'm desperate for you, God. I'm desperate for you, God. You, you know, one of the greatest examples of, of, of humility, and we, we really will close with this. I'm, I'm watching our worship team kind of waiting, like, is, is now the right time? Is now the cue? Since, since, since I've already interrupted the moment, I'll just tell you the ongoing joke, and I don't think it's funny at all. Um, but uh, I'm always like, hey, point number three, like, you guys can just come on up. And every, every week they're like, nah, man. Because then we're up there for like 35 minutes when you do 17 closes. And I'm like, just be humble. Um, but I think one of the greatest examples is King David. I think one of the greatest examples of humility is King David. Here's the picture that I'll, that, that I'll paint for you. Um, Saul, he, he, he's no longer living right before God. You, you, you may be familiar with the story, but just indulge me for a second. Saul's no longer living right before God. 
Saul is lifted up in pride. Saul really, it could be like the epitome of pride. I'm, no, I'm, I'm king, I'm ruler, and I'm, I'm doing this my way. I refuse to hump Saul's pride. And so Saul, he begins to feel the resistance of God. And God literally goes, okay, bro, you could have the position, spiritual authority, I'm removing this from you. Like, we've all felt that before, right? When someone has the title, but they don't have God's hand on their life. When they have, when they have the position somewhere, but you're like, I think you're out of your league, man. And he goes, okay, you're, you're, you're still king, but I'm, I'm removing this. And he speaks to, to a man named Samuel. He says, I want you to go and I want you to anoint this shepherd boy named David. He will be the next king. And so David's literally anointed king. Like, what, what, what would that have, have been like? Saul's still in, in office. He's still the actual legitimate king. But I've just been anointed by the man of God of Israel. I am the king. Like, God's anointed me as the king of Israel. And you know what David does? David doesn't go and, and go and buy a robe. He doesn't go and get fitted for crowns. David goes right back to the field and just keeps on serving his father's sheep. And, and I, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. We'll call it 10 years. I think it was more like 15 years. But, but Saul, because he's so prideful and so threatened by David, rather than humbling himself before God, he begins to leverage all of Israel's army and resources to hunt David down and to kill David. He, he, he's leveraging every relationship he has, all of the resources, all the army. Whatever we got to do, we will kill this young shepherd boy because he's been anointed king and he's a threat to me now. And over and over and over and over and over again. You know what we see? David humbly submitting himself to God, to authority, and to the people around him. There's a number of instances where David has the opportunity to kill Saul on the spot. Like tactically, he has the advantage, and his men are like, like now's the time. Like, like he's literally right there. You were a great warrior. Like let this guy, and David goes, I refuse to put my hand on you, on God's anointed. And, 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 then, and then we read, David will reflect back and David will say, God, you are God, I am not. Justice belongs to you, not to me. You, you, you've made a decree that we should not put our hand against the leaders that you put in place. I don't care what he's doing. I don't care what he's saying. I don't care the threat that it is to me, God. I, I humbly recognize who you are and who I am in light of that. You're God. I am not. You know what humility really is? Humility is really the ultimate test of how much you actually have faith and trust God. Because pride says, if I don't, it won't. Here, here's David. If I don't kill him, he's going to kill. But humility says, no, I don't have to. Because my God is so good and he is so faithful. God, justice belongs to God. You can, you can write this down. My, my closing just thought for you is this. Our response, it is to humble ourselves. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he, he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Did you know humility is not something we pray for? 
God, thank you, God. Just waiting. I, I'm still having a lot of pride issues, but I'm just waiting, you know, going to the altar on Sunday. God, make me happy. That's not how it works. We can pray, God, would you help me? God, would you empower me? Would you empower me through, through your grace and through, see, but even that prayer is a humble prayer, is it not? It's a prayer that says, God, I can't do this on my own. Everything in me, it rages against this thought of humility. Like, I, I, I feel like I almost need to be prideful, but God, my humility brings me before you at your feet to say, God, you're God, I'm not. Jesus, you are Lord. I want to walk in humility. I can't do it. I need help. I can't do it, God. I need, and even the prayer to say, God, I need your help is humility. The Bible says, humble yourself. I'll give you three, three thoughts, thoughts to consider. I'm going to pray for you. Three, three areas the Bible instructs us to be humble. Number one, before God. The Bible says, humble yourself before God. Like you are to humble yourself before the living God. Number two, the Bible talks about this cover to cover. We're supposed to humble ourselves under authority. Man, that's really the test, right? Be, because what the Bible will teach us is that a good theology says, God, everyone in, in, in authority, you have placed there. And so actually by, by submitting myself under authority, I'm really submitting myself to you. By submitting myself under the authority that you've placed there, I'm actually not putting, putting my life in their hands. I'm putting my life in your hands. And because I trust you so much, I can willingly and joyfully submit to the authority you place over me because you are my God, not, not this person. And, and thirdly, the Bible says submit to one another. You know, the Bible actually says we're supposed to live in humility before one another. Philippians chapter 2 gets kind of frustrating when it says, hey, here, here's the mindset. Think of everyone else as better than yourself. That's not at all what I want to do. Yeah, just like, th just think in terms of Jesus. Jesus, who was actually the literal son of God, he came and he humbled himself to the point of death to serve humanity. So think of everyone else as better than yourself and serve people like Jesus serves them. What would, what would our, our relationships look like if we humbled ourselves before one another and just sought to serve one another? Why do relationships get so hard, pride? Why do relationships get so messy, pride? But, but the Bible says because we trust God. Because we recognize who God is and who God says that we are. Be, because we can trust him and we have confidence in him that we can humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We can humble ourselves under authority and leadership that God places in our life. And we can humble ourselves one to another. And what's the result? The grace of God. Unearned, undeserved, unmerited love, blessing, and favor. The, the favor and the hand of God on our life, in our relationship, in every area of life, the grace of God comes. Humility is the key that unlocks the door. So, so here, here's the starting place. It is to humble yourself. And do you know where that starts? Ready? Here's a word that is not fun all the time. Repentance. That's where it starts. It starts by, by saying, God, I've been so prideful that, that, that 
before I even go take care of that before you. I repent, God. Repentance is changing my thinking. God, I, I change my thinking. I'm not going this way anymore. I'm, I'm turning. God, I confess that. That's sin before you. God, your word says you hate pride because of what it does in my heart. God, I repent. Oh, I've been submitting to pride in my heart. I've been submitting to that thing in me. I've actually been, been allowing it to be the Lord, the master, controlling. Oh, God, I'm, that's why I face resistance. That's why things are so tough and so sticky. God, I repent. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. And I make a decision today to humble myself. Can I ask you this? Is there anywhere in your heart, I know there is in mine, that, that you need to repent today? that you need to, with your words, actively confess and say, God, there's pride right here. It is sin. It is not godly. You, you do not like it. You, you, you bring resistance there. I, I repent, God. Is there anywhere you need to repent and receive today the washing, the cleansing of your sins? Is there anywhere today that you just need to bring it before God and say, God, I repent, and actively I'm going to humble myself for you authority and the one to another. I don't know about you, but I need the grace of God. I need the grace of God in abundance in my life. So what's the key? It's humility. Can I pray for you, God? I thank you today for the Bible. I thank you today for giving us your word to teach us literally how to walk in ways that give life. How to walk in ways that bring refreshing and healing to the relationships, to the problems, the issues, every area of our life where there's dysfunction, hurt, and pain. Oh, thank you, God, for ministering to us the ways of healing and reconciliation. Lord, I pray that everything or anything in us that God needs to be dealt with, that Holy Spirit, in the most gentle way, you would do that this morning. That you'd help us to see areas of our heart and our life where there's pride, where we're holding on to something. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we humble ourselves, even today, we would not only experience the washing and the cleansing of our sins, but we'd experience the grace of God as we use that key, humility, to unlock the door to your favor, your hand. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.